Welcome to the IFI podcast from the Irish Film Institute. I'm Stephen Boylan, and this is a special bonus episode of the IFI podcast with a focus on this year's IFI French Film Festival, which runs from November 11th to 22nd. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Irish Film Institute or on Twitter at IFI underscore dub. The IFI French Film Festival is Ireland's largest French cultural event, and this year for the first time it will run exclusively online nationwide on IFI at Home. The festival will screen 23 features over the 12 days of the festival, each available in the comfort of your own home. For full details of the programme, visit www.ifihome.ie. I'm now joined by David O'Mahony, IFI Head of Cinema Programming, to look at some of the highlights of this year's festival. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's always a pleasure to be on the IFI podcast. Uh, David, let's start with the opening film, which is in every sense a crowd pleaser. Tell us about the big hit. The big, absolutely a crowd pleaser. And not only is it our opening film, but we were delighted to see that it was the opening film of the mini Cannes Film Festival that took place late in October. So that was very gratifying for us programmers. Uh, So the big hit is uh, set within the confines of a prison. It's um, about an actor who runs a a workshop, a theatre workshop in a prison with an unlikely troupe of would-be actors. And he introduces them to the uh, somewhat challenging works of Samuel Beckett. Um, and they, they, uh, he's in rehearsals with them to put on a performance of Waiting for Godot. It turns out they're, they, they adapt very well. They're pretty good. So he decides uh, in a bold move to try to put on an actual production in a real theatre in front of a live audience. So the film follows their, their progress with this production of Waiting for Godot as they ready themselves for this production. And of course, there are bumps along the way and things don't go according to plan. And uh, it's very funny, it's very charming, and it's a real ode to the power of friendship. And what's even more interesting and had me scurrying to Wikipedia was that it's based on a true story. Um, it seems very unlikely, but indeed it is based on a true story. Um, so we're delighted to have the, that film, The Big Head, as our opening film next Wednesday. This is the kind of film that rises and falls based on its performances and the chemistry of the ensemble in this is really terrific. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, they, they work so well together. You really get a sense that they've shared space together, spent, shared time together putting on this performance, we're learning the lines, learning how to, how to perform Beckett's work. Um, and that really, really comes through. It really is a, it's an ensemble piece in the best sense of the word. Um, yeah, and, and incredibly um, empathetic performances all around. The Big Hit is available to rent from next Wednesday, the 11th of November, until Saturday, the 14th. One of the packages, one of the multi-film packages that we have this year, David, is all about families and their various dynamics. And there are a number of films that explore this uh, this year, and two in particular, which look at father-daughter relationships. Um, let's talk first about Red Soil, um, which looks at a family in a work context. Yes, exactly. It's a father-daughter relationship. Very interesting. We often don't um, don't see that portrayed. So this is about um, a young ER nurse who's recovering from a traumatic incident, uh, which uh, opens the film, and she takes on a new job in a chemical factory, in the infirmary of a chemical factory, where her father has worked for many, many, many years, and. Gradually, she starts to uncover hidden secrets and evidence of corruption involving toxic waste and gradually comes to the realisation that her her father may be implicated in this corruption. Um, So there's a tension there, there's a dilemma there. How further should she go? Should she jeopardise her father's position, his long-standing and 
hugely respected position within this organization. If she digs deeper, will that undermine him? So obviously that is a huge dilemma for her. There are shades of Aaron Brockovich, dare I say, also uh, last year, Todd Haynes' film Dark Waters comes to mind as well. It's uh, it's a very gripping film. It's it's very contemporary film in its exploration of how toxic waste is treated and its massive impact on the environment. So a um, very topical film. I was just going to ask you that. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a very strong environmental context to it. But is it is there a very good balance between the family story and the environmental story, or is the environmental side pushed to the side a little bit? Where does that balance lie? I think it's very well balanced. It's very well modulated. I mean, the, the spine of the story is the father-daughter relationship. And like the wider context is her, is her investigative, um, her kind of bespoke investigative journalistic endeavours as she tries to kind of, her moral backbone is such that she can't let this go. You know, when she, she sniffs something out, she has to pursue it. But of course, there's always the, the dilemma and the tension um, that this is going to, you know, completely derail her relationship with her father. So uh, it's um, it's very nicely balanced. Let's look then at Lola, a Belgian film that has a very tense relationship indeed at its core. Tell us about Lola. Yes, indeed. Uh, Lola, the, the titular Lola is an 18-year-old transgender girl who has learned that she can finally have her surgery. However, her mother, who was her only financial support and was going to pay for said surgery, has just passed away. Now, Lola has, is completely estranged from her father. And the film takes the form of a road movie, very classic road movie structure. Um, is Lola has stolen the ashes of her mother and goes on the run. And in a series of events, um, herself and her father decide to take this trip together to honour her mother's final wishes, which was to go to the Belgian coast and have her ashes scattered in a particular location. So this estranged father-daughter duo, again, uh, similar to our last film we talked about, um, have to share confined space and work towards this, uh, fulfilling their mother's wishes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wonderfully acted, very well paced. As I say, takes the classic road movie structure of two mismatched characters who don't see eye to eye on anything at the beginning of the film, but who learn to learn to empathize with each other through this shared uh, shared journey, both a physical journey and a actual journey. <laughs> or sorry, should I say both a actual journey and a um, what am I trying to say here, Stephen? A metaphorical and a literal journey. Both a metaphorical journey and a literal journey. Um, again, and um, we we mentioned it before in relation to um, the big hit. There's terrific performances in this. Benoit Magimel, um, who plays Lola's father, will be re- familiar to audiences. Um, but it's really Maya Bollers in her first film role who steals the show. She's really brilliant in this. Yeah, absolutely, and the camera loves her. I mean, she's really captivating, and she occupies almost every second of the film, and she fills the screen entirely. I think she's definitely one to be watched. She's really, really terrific. And it's a very interesting film about the different hurdles that trans people face. Um, th- there's a very kind of chilling scene in a pharmacy that's really quite upsetting and quite disturbing. But, you know, is, is, I presume is a, is a reality for a lot of trans people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, w- I would imagine a lot of those instances that, that, that such as to what you refer are based on absolute hard research. I mean, it feels very authentic. It feels very real. Um, none of this film feels contrived or none of the incidents in this film feel contrived. It feels very authentic. Um, and yeah, I imagine that's that's, that's very true to the lived experience of, um, of people such as Lola who have to face this on a daily basis. Lola is available to rent from Friday the 13th up until Monday the 16th. Um, David, there's also a very intriguing premise at the core of A Son, where a family holiday takes a turn very much for the worse. 
Yes. So this is about a family who are holidaying in Tunisia. The father, who is uh, played by Sami Bouajala, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but he is also, that actor played the father in Red Soil. So there's quite a lot of continuity going on there. So they're, they're holidaying in Tunisia. And on the way back, they're on the way back to, um, to their hotel, there's an ambush and their young son is is shot and severely injured and they have to uh, rush to get him to a hospital and he needs a liver transplant. 80% of his liver has been destroyed and he, uh, he needs a very rapid transplant. It's such as it is in that part of the world. Um, transplants are only allowed within family. You, you, you're not it's illegal to have a transplant from somebody without your from from without your family. So that starts a series of revelations, um, and to discuss them on this podcast, I think would be to greatly diminish the power of the film. Um, but there are, are some reversals and revelations and secrets that come to light in this incredibly fraught environment where these two parents are trying to save their son's life in a situation where every second counts, and you're presented with. The dilemmas of what you would do if or the lengths that a parent will go to to save their child's life in in such dire circumstances it's grips like a thriller um manages to say a huge amount about tunisia and libya even in uh, set in uh 2011 i should say just uh, just before the fall of gaddafi um and all of that is very relevant in the story it, it the story broadens out and widens but again i feel I feel my hands are tied. I can't say too much. There's quite a few revelations in this in this film that are better experienced um, in the moment as you view it. Sounds absolutely fascinating. A Sun is available to rent from Thursday 19th to Sunday 22nd. After all that family strife, David, I think it's time to talk about some of the more comedic films uh, in this year's programme. And we'll start with My Donkey, My Lover and I. Anyone who has watched the brilliant series Call My Agent on Netflix will recognise the lead actress in the role. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think certainly after those um, those films we'd, we'd, we've just described, we we need donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a, an adorable comedy drama um, about a, a, a woman who's on on a whim decides to follow the man that she's in love with. Who she's a teacher and she's she's in love with the with the father of one of her pupils. And of course, he's married, and it's completely preposterous and impossible that she's ever going to have a relationship with him but she finds out he's going on a holiday uh, donkey trekking with his wife and daughter and what does she do she decides to follow suit um, gets a donkey of her own and tries to track him down the donkey is becomes almost a, like a silent therapist for her as she along the road uh, unveils her problems and her love life issues um, to Patrick the donkey I should have said the donkey is named Patrick it's very important and uh, it's it's effortlessly charming, and she's delightful. And lessons are learned along on the road <laughs> with, with Patrick. And she decides, perhaps, you know, going in hot pursuit of this man is perhaps not the uh, not the correct approach. And she should, uh, you know, learn to. Uh, she she comes to reassess her priorities with Patrick the donkey. It's effortlessly delightful and very funny. And she, as you say, uh, Laura Callamy is uh, hilarious and uh, very warm in the role. And it's based on an early Robert Louis Stevenson work, but not that you'd guess, I presume. No, that's correct. But it does it does come up the 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 route that she's that she's doing in this um, in this mountainous region, uh, the Cévennes. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. That route was laid down initially 
by Robert Louis Stevenson in his book, Travels with the Donkey. Uh, and I think this has become now a very popular tourist trek where you go from A to B to C and you stay over. It's almost like a little mini Camino, I guess. And so she's, that's, that's the route she's taking. So uh, that certainly does come up, the, the Louis Stevenson book does come up in the narrative. One of the most recognisable faces in French cinema, Alain Chabat, is back in what's a very curious and very modern love story, Hashtag I Am Here. Uh, tell us a little bit about this one. Hashtag I am here. Yes, exactly. So he is a chef in the in, in the Pay Basque region and good life, beloved in the community. And he starts um, following a woman uh, in Korea on Instagram and strikes up friendship with her. And they're, he's constantly texting and constantly in, engaging with her and sharing photographs. And on a whim, decides to get on a plane, um, almost unbeknownst to her, tells her when he's on the plane that he's on the next flight over. And of course, when he, when he arrives in Seoul Airport, things don't quite go as he might have planned. And she's not there. And so he has to wait in the airport, wait interminably. And as days <laughs> turn into more days, he becomes something of a fixture in the airport and uh, becomes like a rather popular figure. It's, it's a very unusual film reminded me a little bit of the terminal steven spielberg movie from uh, some years back bittersweet rather melancholy kind of look at a a man in middle age um <laughs> assessing his rather erratic actions and uh, but a lot of fun along with it mm. we usually complain hugely about airports but given the year that it's been i suspect this is all going to give us itchy feet I did look at airplanes going, oh, remember, remember airplanes? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's certainly um, a, a sense of nostalgia uh, looking at people standing in queues and going through security <laughs> checks. <laughs> oh, for a queue. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, hashtag I'm here is available to rent from Tuesday 17th to Friday 20th. David, another film in the programme that seems to have charm to burn is the Romeresque A L'Abordage. Uh, tell us about this one. A L'Abordage. And... As I think of it now, the plots are quite similar. It's only now as I'm describing. So it begins uh, a summer night in Paris on the banks of the Seine. Um, and there's there's an outdoor party going on. And uh, 20-something Felix uh, has a, a, a night of passion <laughs> with Alma. Wakes up the next morning, but she has to go. She's she's going off with her family to the to the to for holidays. And uh, he, he may never see her again. But Felix is smitten. So he convinces his, his mates to hire a car and they take to the road and he's going to surprise her it's very sweet it's very gentle um it doesn't you know loves through paths doesn't exactly go as as planned as it rarely does in such titles um romeresque as you said at the beginning is it's a very accurate um description it's summary it's melancholy it's bittersweet it's you know, young people finding their way um and it looks gorgeous really really charming cast of characters as well i mean it, it's it's great to see a fresh bunch of faces uh, just you know really giving it their all and it's it's incredibly enjoyable and it, it again in a year where we can't go anywhere it almost <laughs> feels like taking a holiday <laughs> um yeah very very charming film uh, Labordage is available to rent from Monday 16th to Thursday 19th. Now, David, the term action comedy um, is not one that you'd normally associate with Isabelle Huppert, uh, but the French Festival is really delivering on this one. What is Mama Weed all about? Mama Weed? Yeah, action comedy in the French Film Festival. you got to hand it to Isabelle Huppert, really. I mean, she's if ever there's a game actress, she, she takes um, every role and treats it with the utmost seriousness. And I think that's... Um, that's certainly the case here. She's 
She plays a French Arabic translator working for police um, in wiretaps, in the drug squad, should I say, not police, uh, working on, on wiretaps. And through a series of convoluted um, <laughs> plot <laughs> hurdles, finds herself transformed almost overnight into um, a drug baron who goes by the, by the moniker Mama Weed. Um, so she's using her contacts from her, her Arabic translation work and sort of using that to kind of game the system and making a small fortune for herself on the side as she plays this, uh, this uh, alter ego of, of Mama Weed. It's great fun. It's, it is, as you say, it's a fast-paced comedy, uh, full of action, full of smart gags, and Isabella Huppert really throwing herself into the role. She's a lot of fun. I mean, she does comedy just as well as she does that intense art house voiture that we have come uh, to know her from, but she's, she really goes for this, and she, as I say, she's delightful in the role. And I think that one of the really striking things about the the film as well is that it's set in these kind of very melting pot communities in Paris, that it's a very multicultural film. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like, it's certainly not the Paris of uh, that, you know, it's not picture postcard Paris. This is very kind of down, dirty, seamy Paris. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's gritty. It's got dirt under its fingernails and it's a lot of fun. Mama Weed is available to rent from Sunday 15th to Wednesday 18th. David, something the festival does brilliantly every year is documentary, and this year is no exception. So let's start with Stephanie Gillard's The Squad. Yeah, this is really terrific. Um, this is about Olympic Lyonnais, one of the greatest soccer teams in the world. Um, and you know, since 2011, have won over 26 national and European titles. But they're not as recognisable as other clubs that other clubs that they are as successful as, such as say Real Madrid or Chelsea. And this is most likely on account of there being a women's soccer team. So this film is a very welcome corrective to that, and it's a fly in the wall look at these women's lives, both on and off the pitch. We get to know them, and we share and follow the peaks and troughs, the highs and lows as they win and the lose and you know, the wins and losses on and off the pitch. And it's really, really gripping. And as I said, it's, it's a very welcome corrective to what is, you know, we perceive as being a very male orientated sport. And that isn't the case. So um, yeah, this film is, is really terrific. Mm. I know that sport isn't for everybody, but it's, it's really not about that. I mean, you have really candid conversations about equality in sport, the visibility of female professionals, but also what it's like to be so young and performing in front of huge crowds. Yeah, I, exactly. I would agree with that. It's a very three-dimensional approach. It's not just looking at the sport. It's not, it's, it's not a sporting film as such. It's about these young women and their lives as much as it is about the, the game of soccer. Like it's not, I'm not a soccer fan and I find myself completely gripped by this. So um, I think that's, that's telling. This, it, naturally, though, if, you're, if you are interested in the sport, this is something that would be absolute catnip to you, but you don't necessarily, it doesn't follow that you necessarily have to be a sports nut to get into this. And I certainly found myself consumed by it. And I don't know one end of a soccer ball from the other. The squad is available to rent from Wednesday 18th to Saturday 21st. David, there's a strong Irish connection to the final film of the festival. And indeed, there are echoes of Tomorrow is Saturday, the film that won the Audience Award at this year's iFi Documentary Festival. Looking for Gilles Caron profiles a very well-known photojournalist who disappeared in Cambodia in 1970. Yes, indeed. Uh, this is an absolutely fascinating film. Um, he was at, disappeared at the age of 30, which is extraordinary, uh, given that his... 
his working life had been incredibly prolific and uh, incredibly successful up until that point. Um, he'd, he'd been to Vietnam, he'd been to you know, Czechoslovakia, he photographed you know, in 1968 uh, in the, the Paris student uprising. I mean, uh, some of the most I- iconic images of these uh, seminal events in 20th century, you know, some of the most iconic images of these events are, are from Gilles Caron. But in 1969, he went to Derry for a very short period of time, I think only three days, and took a huge number of photographs. And the documentary travels to Derry and interviews some of the people who were very young at the time, children, and um, catches up with them and discusses their experience of being part of this legacy, this incredible legacy. Um, like they're talking to one man, and he was only a little boy at the time, and the photograph that Gilles Caron took of him ended up in the cover of, of Paris Match, uh, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, there's, apart from all the other you know, amazing footage and amazing access and interviews, the, the Irish connection is, is, is very compelling in this film. And we have a, a special Q&A with the, the director, Mariano Otero, and uh, Martin McCabe, and that will be available as bonus material on the film itself. The film is available to rent from Sunday 22nd to Wednesday 25th. Um, last two films, David, I want to talk about. The prolific Anne Fontaine returns to the festival. She had Purest Snow last year, but this year she has Night Shift, which is a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's a remarkable filmmaker. She never repeats herself. You never quite know what you're going to get. And this is this is a complete change of pace. And we had The Innocence, I think, the year before that as well, which is also entirely different. Um, this is a police drama set over a course of 24 hours. has a really remarkable opening section. So the first quarter of the film introduces the three characters that we're going to spend the entire film with and shows... A, a sequence of events played out from each of their perspectives. So we see the same event portrayed um, three different times from three different points of view. And it's really successful in in giving each of the characters a backstory and motivation and really goes um, to uh, ex- explain later actions. And as I say, gives them a very, gives each character a very three-dimensional shape. So these three policemen are tasked with ferrying a asylum seeker who has been denied access. They're ferrying him back to the airport where he's going to be deported back to Tajikistan. And on that journey, they're, they're conflicted. They're filled with doubt as to the, you know, the moral veracity of what they're doing. And they're, they're arguing and they're trying to decide what the correct thing to do is. And um, that's, you know, it's, it's almost like it's, it's a conversation that's taking place on a macro level internationally is kind of encapsulated with these three characters in a car on, on a micro level as they're trying to figure out just what the what you know what the what the right thing to do is um it's very knotty very complicated and full of dilemmas and um, very very intriguing night shift is available to rent from saturday 14th until tuesday 17th finally david we couldn't talk about this year's festival without talking about guillaume nicolas talasso which really sounds like a one-of-a-kind experience. Tell us all about Palasso. We certainly couldn't. We have to finish on this one. So this is the follow-up of sorts to the, ki- the kidnapping of Michel Welbeck, which we showed at the French Film Festival, ooh, maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. So this is um, Michel Welbeck. He's kind of post-kidnapping, and he's, he's going to a... He's been sent to a spa resort, a health resort, just to relax and um, get his joie de vivre back. And he hates it. He finds he can't smoke, he can't drink, the food is terrible, and 
it's complete misery and every, you know all avenues of pleasure have been curtailed until he bumps into Gerard Depardieu, who's also uh, there taking, taking the cure. And uh, the two of them, like bold schoolboys, decide to decamp to Gerard's room where he has lots of supplies that he smuggled in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they, as you can imagine, and they have... Um, have a series of very entertaining conversations about life, death, and everything in between. Um, much like the kidnapping of Michelle Welbeck, it kind of it's it's a hybrid documentary. It, it straddles fact and fiction. I mean, there are clearly sequences in this that are absolutely pure verite. That they're not acting. These are just two men having sometimes quite raw and emotional conversations about middle age, about their lives. Um, and on, in that respect, it's it's fascinating. It's a fascinating document. Um, and there is a narrative of sorts that's layered on top of it, but the the real joy and the real um, compelling aspect of this film is just seeing kind of an unvarnished portrayal of Depardieu and uh, Welbeck just um, in their <laughs> in their in their uh, wardrobe towels, uh, you know, just kind of discussing life, death, the universe um, over nice wine and pate. <laughs> And, and, and do you see different sides of them, or do, I mean, does it kind of reinforce the public image that we have of the two of them, or is there something different for people to explore here? There, I think the guard is let down a little bit. I mean, they obviously have a, a unique relationship with the director of the film because certainly Welbeck allows his guard down, and there are some very they feel very authentic. I mean, there are some very raw and authentic sequences in this where you know he breaks down and starts crying and, you know, it, he, he's kind of revealing a lot more of himself than perhaps we, we ever would have, we would have imagined. So, um, yeah, I think, I think they do. They, I think the director has created a safe space for these two kind of seminal figures to, uh, to open up. And uh, it's a fascinating journey. Palazzo is available to view from Wednesday the 18th to Saturday 21st. We've only spoken about a selection of the film screening as part of this year's festival. To see the full programme and schedule, visit www.ifihome.ie. You can also download the festival brochure from ifi.ie forward slash Frenchfest. The festival starts on Wednesday, November 11th, with new films released to view until Sunday, November 22nd. David, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much, Stephen. Always a pleasure. That's all from this episode of the iFi Podcast. We'll speak to you soon. The iFi Podcast is produced by the Irish Film Institute. The Irish Film Institute is principally funded by the Arts Council. The iFi is a charity. For more information on how to support its work, visit ifi.ie forward slash support.